Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead. Take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. Nicely done. We are here. <laughs> Irvine, California. Wow, what's up, guys? What's up? Studio looks a bit different today. A uh, bit more breeze, you could say. We're out in the wild. And we are like, what, a couple of miles away? How far away are we from the venue? I think we're about two miles away from UCI. Uh, of course, Pan Am's starts tomorrow. It's going to be held at the Brent Center here in Irvine, California. Yeah, important California. to know, we're not just in California for a vacation, right? We're here for a reason. It's true. 2018 IBJJF Pan Jiu-Jitsu Championships. It's here. It runs through for the next four days. That's why we're doing it here. But, um, man, the next four days, a lot, to, a lot of Jiu-Jitsu ahead of us. But maybe we should talk about some of the things that have come up, happened in the last week. What we always always do, right? It's yeah, true. Yeah. And uh, Reed, you uh, brought up a good topic there earlier. Uh, a lot been going on in the MMA world to interest us jujitsu fans. That's true. I mean, definitely the big topic on, in the jujitsu world this uh, last weekend was, of course, that Mackenzie Dern made her long-awaited UFC UFC debut. Um, what I think's notable about that is that that she always said she wanted to make her UFC debut. She said she wanted to make it in 2017. She just missed it, just a few months shy. But she ends up going out there making a UFC debut here in 2018, March 2018. <laughs> so uh, she finally makes it out there. But uh, I don't know. What do you guys? You guys, what do you guys want to talk about Mackenzie Dern's? Can UFC? I just say that I love she's out there swinging for the fences. Like Mackenzie is not doing uh, just to get him to the ground immediately. She's looking to open things up with her strikes and. Uh, some of them a bit wilder than others, but man, she has some power. She clearly has, you know, generates a lot of force there. So that's the one thing that I hate when jujitsu fighters go into MMA and they all of a sudden try to become strikers. I'm like, stick with what you're good at. And we can see in the third round, that was yeah. her best round. That's when she was on the ground. She was the, the only time she was on the ground. Right? Yeah, got to the girl's back. She put her in some serious danger, almost had the rear naked choke, so. I think the game's evolved. You need to be multidimensional. She can't just get him on the ground at will. She has to open up that takedown with some strikes. And when you get to the level of the UFC, it's not going to be as easy as it was in maybe the the feeder leagues that she was competing in before she got there, right? I remember uh, 2017 Pans, we were here, and Mackenzie, she was right there on the the sidelines, but she wasn't competing because she just had an MMA fight, right? Or I think it was like a week out. And she, I remember she was at Pan, she was unscathed, right? That's right. You, you, wouldn't have ta- you wouldn't have been able to say that she just had an MMA fight. She posted some photos in her Instagram after this one. It looked a lot different. She made a scrap. Yeah, definitely yeah. her toughest fight thus far. She's 6-0 and now, and definitely I'd say her, her toughest, toughest fight, because I think a lot of people even had her losing the fight, probably. It was a razor-close razor fight. But like you said, in the third round, I think it, it ultimately would have been just kind of like a... A mute point, but since she had such a strong uh, third round, and since like she had that flash of genius where people remembered, oh yeah, it only takes it only takes a little bit 
and she can get your neck or something like that. You know, it, it just reminds people how dangerous Mackenzie Dern can be. Speaking so. about getting her neck, though, one thing that I did notice, I mean, Mackenzie looked great, her control on the grounds, you know, she was stuck to the back and stuff, but she couldn't finish the choke. And she had it, like, she had the arm across the neck and the girl just peeled the arm off and, like, got out of that rear naked a few times. I mean, this is Mackenzie. She's, like, literally world-class when it comes to submissions. What do you think? Why couldn't she finish that? Third round, you know, she's, she's tired probably. She did. She get dropped in the second round. Um, gloves made things harder as well. Gloves. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It was sh short time at the end of the round there. You know, it did look like she had it for a second. It looked super close for a second. Um, I think she showed a lot of potential. You know, like, she, it, it definitely exposed a lot of her weaknesses. And she looked a little sloppy in certain parts of the fight as well. But she always has the ground to kind of fall back on. So, like, she can experiment a little bit, but she can still get these wins with her jiu-jitsu. Yeah, experimenting is all well and good, but, um, you know, it only takes one good shot yeah, to make true. that experiment go very, very bad, true. right? So. Yeah, she took some, though, and she showed that she has, you know, heart of a warrior, and um, I thought it was great. A lot of potential and uh, strong coming out party for the UFC. The the premier uh, MMA league in the world. So, she her her coach in her corner, Leo Vieira. Has is he has he done MMA? I don't think so. No. I don't think he's really coached many no. MMA fighters at all. I don't know. I, I thought that was a little interesting to see her, to see her training with Leo. I mean, obviously Leo's a legend of, of jiu-jitsu and ADCC and everything like that. I don't think he's had much foray in, into MMA. So uh, I was surprised to see her working with Leo in, at Checkmat. Yeah, it's not like he's a renowned. Yeah, he's not a, like a renowned trainer of MMA fighters. So, like, I remember uh, Mackenzie. She's from Arizona, right? Yeah, yeah. And she was training with who down there? The MMA Lab, John Crouch. That's where Benson Henderson, Henderson came from. Yeah. That's where this the guy who also fought on the card, Sean O'Malley, who's like the next big thing as well. So pretty high level gym. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Kind of makes me wonder then why she ended up going to Southern California to train with Leo, where. You know, you have to say she probably didn't have any MMA training partners. She had lots of people to do jujitsu with her check mat, but you know, no kickboxing coach, no wrestling coach. Say, uh, it seems like a strange decision so close out from what is the biggest fight of her life. Yeah, absolutely. Just especially because MMA Lab is one of the the best. You know, it's definitely top three, top five um, places to, to train MMA in, in the country and in, in the world. You know, John Crouch is a highly regarded, regarded not only striking coach, but also grappling coach. He's a black belt in jiu-jitsu as well. And he's just one of the greatest minds in MMA, I think, John Crouch. And so, yeah, I mean, the more you can get one-on-one uh, -on -one time with John Crouch, like, I think that's, that's the guy to take it from, you know? Very interesting stuff. I do also want to address, I wrote an article the other day. I don't know if you guys saw it, and it was like, it was titled, uh, Is It Too Soon to Talk About a Title Shot for Mackenzie Dern? It seemed to have gotten some, uh, quite the response from, from people online. Seems like you ruffled a few feathers you ruffled there. ruffled a few feathers. Yeah. But I think, looking at, if you go back and read the article, like my, one of my main points was that the, the strawweight division that she's in right now is, is at its thinnest that it's ever been inside the UFC. Because when they, when they, it's only a couple years old, three, four years old. And so when they first announced the strawweight division, it was packed with all these strawweight killers, all these girls from all over the world were kind of getting to the UFC, getting to the strawweight division, Yuani and Jacek, all those girls. But now they just opened the featherweight division, the 125. Yes, yes. So you have girls who are, who the heavier 115 girls who are moving up to 125. You even have some girls who are, who are moving up to, to 135. So I think right now, um, like John Calderwood is going to, to 125. Um, 
of a bunch of other girls. So I think it's the perfect time for Mackenzie to be making her debut and to make a run at the title because there's not a lot of girls ahead of her. There really aren't. And, and she's such a great star in jiu-jitsu. She comes with a good, good backstory. You know, she comes with, with a lot of the baggage that, that UFC is ready to, to sell. So I think, you know, two, three fights, don't be surprised if, if she's, like, right there. Uh, Preposterous. <laughs> yeah, Insane. Yeah. Not, not ready yet. <laughs> maybe, maybe. Well, what does she need to do then to get there? Because, you know, we've seen good jiu-jitsu guys come into the UFC. Some have done well. Some haven't. You know, everybody points to the examples of Damian Meyer and Ronaldo Jacare as two of the best jiu-jitsu exponents to convert to MMA. Now, if Mackenzie wants to get there to the highest level, what do you think? Does she need to take a page out of their book or does she need to do something else? I would say just not rush her career. The toughest thing that could happen to her is like a brutal knockout loss. That could really raise a lot of questions for her, uh, maybe make her change camps. I mean, a lot of things happen when a, a person gets knocked out badly. So if she takes winnable fights, builds up her resume a little bit, a year from now, maybe the story will be very different, in my opinion. But I think, uh, why rush? She's young, has all the talent in the world. Play it, play it smart and uh, get some wins. Yeah, speaking of devastating knockout losses, I remember uh, both uh, Jacare and Damian Meyer have been knocked out at various stages in their career. And, uh, you know, they rebounded, you know, for title shots or right there. So it's not the end of the world should it happen. But you kind of think it's something she definitely doesn't want to have to experience, right? Yeah, It'd be totally. new, because she, she came up in jiu-jitsu. She hasn't been fighting her whole life, hasn't been doing kickboxing. She, I don't think she's ever been knocked out. Maybe in practice, we never heard about it. Um, so that would be a, a kind of traumatic experience, I imagine. Matt, if there's anything that I think Mackenzie needs to do personally, I think she needs to work on her wrestling. wrestling. Yeah, that's yeah. 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 The one thing we saw in that, mat, in that fight is that she really struggled to get the girl to the ground. She had her up against the fence. She couldn't finish the takedowns. Her shots from the outside in the middle of the cage weren't great. So, you know, if there's anything that I think that she could work on to really improve her chances, to use her jiu-jitsu in the cage, She's got to work out how to get them down. And most of those MMA fighters that come in, even if they've got basic ground games, they usually their takedown offense is something that they'll hammer, right? Yeah. So, I mean, hands down, she has the best jiu-jitsu in the strawweight division. I don't think there's really anybody too close to her, to her jiu-jitsu. You know, I think no matter what, her jiu-jitsu is better. So I think if she can get those girls on the ground, like, I think those are all, all winnable fights for her if she can take people to the ground. So I definitely agree. Another uh, jiu-jitsu athlete looking to make the jump. Gary Tonin has great wrestling, some of the most exciting stand-up uh, in the game. How do you guys think his, his grappling skills will translate? Yeah, so his, his MMA debut is March 24th, 1FC, and his opponent is the Filipino lightweight, Richard uh, Carminal, I think is how you say it. Notorious. Yeah, and he is a uh, man. He's got knockout power. This guy. He's got. He's like four and two, uh, four and three. He's got six fights, and four. Right. His, all four of his wins came with by knockout. knockouts. Right. Right. So that's a tough test for Gary Tonin's first MMA fight. Right. In at the deep end. It's pretty crazy. I mean, that's that's what three weeks away, two and a half weeks away. Uh, I didn't think we'd see it that quickly. We knew it had been signed. So I'm just super excited, man. I cannot wait to see Gary. I know that, that is so exciting to see Gary. I mean, it was so exciting to see Mackenzie go to the UFC. And uh, just like, there's nobody more exciting to see than Gary Tonin, you know? Like, everybody wants to see right. Gary Tonin do jiu-jitsu, so I think he's gonna have a lot of fun over there. Well, I mean, the question is, everybody's expecting to see Gary in the cage, and really the thing that Gary's most become known with in the last, like, say, two years of his grappling career is the leg lock game, right? Obviously training with Don, John Danaher. Now, he's done his MMA training for this with John as well, and he'll have worked the full spectrum of, of techniques and, and ranges that you need to do in MMA. Apparently, uh, Gordon Ryan mentioned that they've done a lot of uh, clinch work and a lot mm -hmm. of, like, in effect, 
you could almost call it stand-up jujitsu. It's like that grapple boxing, mm. you know? It's a shoot boxing, it's uh it's 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 just a dirty boxing. Dirty boxing yeah, yeah. and then in, you know, straight down into the takedowns and submission attacks. And I imagine John Danaher is pretty he's probably got a pretty well developed system for that kind of stuff. And he's got great wrestling, Gary. He's always had really good wrestling. He always uh, has worked with the Rutgers uh, team right there in, in New Jersey. So he, he's a guy uh, Gordon not as much, but but Gary has always been dedicated to the wrestling, so that'll well, translate. Gordon never, never had that, that high school wrestling background that Gary did, right? Yeah. So Gary came in with that, and uh, I mean, it, we've seen it. It's, it's it's worked really freaking well for him in the in the, in the in, you know on the mat, but in the cage, I think that's going to be great. But then, the huge question about Gary is we've never really seen his striking, right? I believe you guys were in Henzo's and you saw him working some pads and stuff, but there's a big question mark over. Okay. Gary's grappling, without a doubt, great. But against a guy with four wins by knockout? So I think it's super important that he just gets in quick, tries to take him down and get it to the mat as soon as possible. Like, yeah. the one thing I hate seeing is when people like, they're kind of like, even if they get away and they don't get knocked out, they try to stand. Like, if you get knocked out in your first few UFC fights, there's a chance are that you're not gonna come back the same. So like, I think it's important, especially for like McKenzie, Gary in their first couple of like important fights, stick with what they, they know, get those wins under their belt, build the confidence in the ring, get that 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 experience in the ring, and then start playing a little bit more with I mean with I think strikes. We, we we all have, have covered grappling for a little while now and we all know um, have, have followed Gary and we followed Mackenzie. I think we all know that those two athletes specifically are, are pretty special. You know, I think yeah. they're, they're they're winners. You know, Mackenzie and Gary are champions at heart, they, and I think they know how to win, and I think they're gonna they bring that to, to MMA. You know, I think they'll both uh, excel probably with flying colors, and, uh, and you know, one way or another, be, I think both of them will become a champion. I really don't imagine we'll see Gary testing out the stand-up in his <laughs> MMA debut, like we saw Mackenzie testing out hers at UFC, right? But then you say Mackenzie was what? She was already five fights in at that stage? She may be a little bit more comfortable in swinging, and and getting those punches come back her way, true, so. True. Yeah, but I don't think Gary will be taking any chances. I think you're right, Will. He's gonna, yeah. if, if he's smart, at least, and Gary is a smart guy. We know, yeah. Crazy Cur Gary, curious to see but if, he is smart, so. Curious to see if his opponent has any grappling skills whatsoever. I mean, he's. That's a huge question mark, too. Yeah. I think I think one FC, you know, they they know what they're doing. I think so. He probably has no grappling pedigree at all. Yeah, they 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 signed Gary for a reason, right? And they they brought him over for that uh, grappling match against Shinya Aoki. Now Shinya Aoki was a, a contracted uh, Evolve Maestro One FC fighter for uh, you know a while. They're one of the big stars in the organization, and uh, I mean they set him up for a match with Gary. You have to think, well, they're expected to build Gary up via that match. Yeah, and Gary right. gets a submission, and then, you know, okay, great time now. We can launch Gary's career. So imagine they're going to be kind to him in his first couple of matches, huh? We'll definitely see. I know we all will be watching that match. Absolutely. But before that happens, we've got a few more matches, maybe a couple thousand this weekend uh. here at Pans. It's Second biggest event of the year, gentlemen. What are we thinking? Four days of non-stop craziness. I mean, personally, we've, we've covered our, like picks for pans, you know? You check out YouTube, our Facebook, uh, website. We've done our predictions. I'm, uh, I got a bet with Reed as to uh, you know, who wins the absolute. But um, 
I think part of the PANS experience for me that is just, it makes it such a special tournament is uh, the opportunity that we have to hang out and to meet with all these different guys and stuff, right? Like, yep. uh, I mean, today, for example, was a perfect opportunity, right? Yeah, it's a great time for those of you who uh, haven't seen the vlog yet. Uh, we made it over to Costa Mesa, California and uh, hit up the Ruka Gym. And man, there was a litany of amazing athletes from different teams there, from different continents there. And they were we, coming in and out nonstop. We saw Buchecha walking when we were leaving, but we spent a lot of time with Tommy Langacker, Espen, both guys from Norway, and of course, uh, Gutenberg was Gutenberg also there. Gutenberg Pereira and Mauricio Oliveira, the two GF team killers down from Ohio. Who else was on the map? The AOJ kids were there, kind of hanging out. And stuff Hunter Ewald had come over from Hawaii. Hunter and his brother Reefer over, that's right. Guy Mendez so. walked through, yeah. yeah. That place is just a, a hotbed for the who's who of jiu-jitsu right now. And, you know, uh, th this is something I wanted to talk about, actually, is that I really like the Ruka Gym because it's a, it's a, it's a neutral ground, mm. right? And, uh, I mean, just think about how many different teams were represented in that, what, like two, two and a half hours that we spent there today. Checkmat, uh, Novuniao, GF Team, AOJ, you know, some of the biggest teams in the sport. Are oh, all rolling training. together, all training, yeah. yeah. Training right next to each other, rolling sometimes with each other, no big deal, right? Yeah, luckily, the, um, you know, the, these tournaments, these huge tournaments are in the jiu-jitsu capital of the world, basically, you know, these days here in Southern California, everybody's here. And we were saying earlier how it's not quite, a, it's a very uh, prestigious event. But the intensity is just not quite at Worlds, and everyone's on edge at Worlds. Everyone's mm. so uptight. Maybe they're cutting an extra weight class or something, but uh, at PANS, it's, it's kind of a, a celebration of competition. I feel like everyone's just excited to be in California again. It does have a different vibe, huh? And it's just fun. It, it felt really fun to, to enter the atmosphere today. And you got some rhymes in? I did. I, I um, Will and Chase were on the mat today, right? Were, yeah. we, we, we were on the sidelines. Reed was filming. I was um, <coughs> busy. <laughs> he left in the bag for shame. Um, but you guys got some rhymes in today. So who'd you roll with, Chase? I got the role of Gutenberg, who is, is sort of like when you lay down lawn over a over like a new piece of land. It's like that, I just took, took you over, you had no chance to move. <laughs> I don't know how to explain it. it just, <laughs> Let's put this in perspective. How big is Gutenberg? He's like super heavyweight. Massive. Yeah. He's a huge guy. He's a guy. big man, He's super heavyweight. Didn't he, use an ounce of it. You know, which which be, category are you competing in this weekend? I'll be in light feather. So, there's <laughs> okay. a, a bit of a disparity there. Almost double your body weight. Yeah. I also got to roll with uh, Espen, whose bat takes are as legit as they seem on camera. Mm. Um, just a lightning bolt of energy and so crisp. There's no, there's no fatness in these. Man, you roll with him as well. I rolled with uh, with Espen too, and he's uh, he's a lightweight, right? And I'm yeah. a heavyweight, and he tooled me up, man. He's like he he's first he's super strong, super strong, really? and super tight. You can't like you know playing guard on him. You can't find any of those like normal hooks that you would find on somebody else. He's so balled up. And then when you think maybe you're like making a, an advance on him, he's like on your back. He's jumping over you, and you know, he's so thing quick. I, side I, to I side. really enjoyed watching when you guys are rolling. Um, is that we almost never see Espen play top game when he competes, right? Because he just always pulls the guard, he always going for that Baron Bolo and straight to the back. And we really see him like passing guard or playing top game. He looked good at it. He passed Miles guard a couple of times. He did. He's got a really aggressive <laughs> knee cut, man. He's got yeah. like a really like forceful knee cut. He gets the head and he's just like grinds. And through he was it. combining it with some like leg drags and like switching sides and yeah, stuff. Yeah, for a lightweight man, he's he's strong. He's uh, I'm excited to see what he can do this weekend. He's like, man, I was talking to him and he 
really wants to get against the top guys out there. He wants to test himself. He wants the opportunity to, to face the best guys in the world. So Definitely got the opportunity this weekend. One thing to talk about Esmond's technique a bit more, uh, he was playing his reverse daily heave on me. And I was trying to do a knee cut pass, and it was crazy. I couldn't even get my knee to the ground. He was so good at elevating my the leg that was trapped in his guard to where I couldn't really move forward. I had I had to go back, and that's what he wanted, and he got the back. So, and they have just such a small team out there in uh, on the uh, west coast of Norway. It's just awesome to see how they have this really small team in the middle of nowhere. You know, and they just train with each other. It's like five or six guys probably. Yeah. You know, who, who compete regularly, and uh, they just uh, they just go to town on each other. They just kill each other <laughs> day after day after day after day after day. And Him, so Tommy, Vigard, and this uh, Jose Carlos is they they the kind of the coach over there, right? Yeah, yeah. I, I believe that uh, Tommy was telling me that they've had other guys from from Scandinavian countries, obviously attracted to their success. So you know they've seen, wow, those guys are really freaking good. There's something in the water over there. They're doing something right. And now guys have started coming from Sweden and Denmark and other places, uh, Finland, and a lot of those other Nordic countries, and they've been going to train with them, therefore boosting their camp. I think that's really cool. You know, it shows that they're obviously open-minded enough to train with other people, but um, you know, the more training partners, the better, right? Because I think anytime you roll with somebody uh, that you don't know, it's always competitive, because you're always trying to figure out, all right, you know, is my shit gonna work against this guy and stuff, yeah. But at the same time, it's a massive learning opportunity, right? Because sometimes they'll do something, like you said, just that detail there on the reverse de la Hida. He keeps your knee up off the ground. I guarantee when you go back to the gym now. I'm gonna be trying that. Right? Yeah, absolutely. Like, Man, I can't let the guy get his knee to the ground from reverse de la Hida. It may be something you would have spaced on before, so. Tommy said that he's gonna do the uh, absolute division at Pans this year, trying to rekindle the, the magic that he had at Europeans when he submitted the super heavyweight Herbert Santos for the triangle. See if uh, lightning strikes twice there. Yeah, yeah. Tommy's got a great attitude. All those guys, they really got a great attitude towards Japan. I'm, a, I'm super excited about the uh, the potential for the growth of jiu-jitsu in Europe. Oh, yeah. You know, after going to Europeans a couple of weeks ago and seeing this new, like, youth kind of evolve up uh, in Europe, it's like, man, it's super exciting. Like, just the growth into Europe, you know. Now these guys are coming over here. We're going over there to see them. And uh, they very well could be on top of the podium this weekend as well. It's a very good point, actually. I think the, the European Jiu-Jitsu, I mean, we saw it in evidence there in Europe, the, especially in the colored belts, right? A lot of really good blue, purple, brown belts. Um, but I gotta say, I was looking through the list of registrations the, for the IBJJF PANS this weekend, and um, very underrepresented uh, compared to the Europeans when it comes to like a, a real spread of international competitors like obviously Europeans is the most international tournament in the world right it's incredible over 70 countries represented but uh, here there's like over 2,500 athletes are American and you've got like six guys from Norway it's like nine guys from the UK there were like 150 guys from the UK there in Portugal you know so um, Pans has a, a different feel but I guess when you've got when you've got the tournament here in Southern California which is just saturated with jiu-jitsu gyms. It's obviously it's a lot easier for those guys to come here than it is to take a 13-hour flight from Europe, right? right. So, absolutely. What I like about Pans is it's, it is kind of like a little precursor to Worlds, you know, where everybody's kind of feeling the, 
the divisions out, you know, who's going, who's moving up to middleweight, who's moving up to super heavyweight, you know, where, where's everybody kind of falling, you know, it feels like everybody's kind of testing the waters a little bit, you know, and, and just, and we'll see it this weekend, you know, who, who gets one, two, three, you know, and that'll be a good, a good indicator going into worlds, what, what things might look like, or, and, and it also spells the upsets, you know, we beat him at pans, but we lost to him at worlds, you know, so it, it's, it's a fun, uh, it's a fun story having pans right here in California um, just a few months before World Championships. Before, before, we, uh, before we get into the black belts, I don't know about you guys, but I am super excited for the colored belts. Oh, yeah. The brown belts, the purple belts. The, there's, uh, the AOJ kids are now competing in the, in the adults at, at Blue Belt as well. So That's right. A lot of these kids who have just been cleaning up at the, the juvenile competition. We're going to see, adult, see right? some dreams shattered tomorrow, I think. <laughs> you know, uh, it's, just, it's not fair. These kids are, have been training for 11-plus years at one of the best teams, and they're going to go up against you know a 23-year-old Blue Belt who's got two years of experience. That's right. They're going to murder I, some people. I want to <laughs> double-check to see if I get his name right here, but um, there was a, a kid from Hawaii called Zach. Um, who moved from his home in uh, Zach Kaina, okay? Zach moved from Hawaii to Southern California when he was 10 years old with his family, and they relocated to here, Southern California, so that he could train full-time at AOJ. And this kid's now 15. He's finally graduated, like, the kids' competitions, and he's competing for the first time at Juvenile 1. Now, a 15-year-old who's been trained for five years intensively with the Mendez brothers. Can you even imagine what that kid's level is going to be like? I've seen his Instagram videos. Yeah. He's really good. <laughs> I wouldn't want to run into him this weekend for sure. I mean, Love he's in the guys. juvenile division, right? And But we've seen guys like Tynan Dalpra, like Mateus Rodriguez, and a, a, a host of others. And they, like you said, Chase, they're making their, their blue belt adult debut. We've seen them in a couple of smaller tournaments recently. And it's like, oh, God, like that's what the future is like. That's scary. It's it's a very happy day in some ways to be joining the Masters One uh, divisions because <laughs> see you guys later. Yeah. I'll see you in nine years. All right. So, uh, but then there is a twelve-year age gap almost right. between you and these kids, right? And obviously Europe about their blues and stuff, but. Four blue belts who are coming through, like you said, hobbyists and stuff, and maybe at 26, 27 years of age, coming into a tournament and competing with a guy who's 10 years younger, been training probably five years intensely or more with high-level jiu-jitsu, uh, does it full-time and nothing else. Man, like, what are these kids going to be capable of by the time they get 19, 20 years old, brown belt, black belt? Oh, it's insane. That's, I mean, that's why I'm so excited for the, the days before the black belt competition. We saw it in, in uh, Europeans, and then we also saw it just a couple of weeks ago at Kids Pans. Like, yeah. these kids are doing stuff that wasn't even created like five years ago, moves that were not even around. And they're already like, they've, they've mastered them. <laughs> they've, they've mastered these moves. So it's like, if they're going to be taking this, if they're doing this stuff now, where is it going to be in, when they're black belts, when they're yeah. you know, competing for the world championship in a couple of years? It's so, a good point. I was just going to totally agree about the purple belts and, and brown belts and the juvenile um, blue belts and stuff. But I, the level there, I feel like, is really even with everybody. You know, right. when, you, when you walk in there, you know you're going to get purple belt matches, I feel like, are going to be even matches. They're going to be great matches, usually. And, but, I mean, all, a lot of those high-level guys, you know, once, you, once we get to go to these tournaments and, and we know who's who and, and, and where everything falls, you know, it, it, it's just as fun covering the purple belts as it is covering the black belts. 
There's one purple belt competitor I want to give a quick shout out to because I think he's an absolute gangster for doing this, and that is Talison Suarez, right? Yeah. Also yeah. known as Lil Meow, okay? And uh, Talison, Roosterweight purple belt, competing this weekend at the Pans. He competes tomorrow, Thursday, March 8th. Uh, he competes and then same night, gets on a plane, flies to London, and he's going to compete Saturday at the London Grand Slam. Yeah, so badass. That's Savage. Insane. So badass. Savage. Absolutely. That's crazy. It's incredible. And he's First got a good chance of winning. Absolutely. <laughs> he actually yeah. really, really does, yeah. In fact, I'd be surprised if he doesn't, doesn't win. Right. But first of all, I mean, that is a hell of a commitment to wanting to compete at the and highest he, level. he doesn't live here in California, right? Oh, no, no, yeah. he's based in New York. So it's not like yeah. he just walked out his, his front door, did this one, and then flew to London. No, no, he, he flew from Brazil to California, then to London. But he's a he's a first year adult competitor as well, right? You know, he's there, right there, like competing in the adult divisions at, at Purple and just wrecking shop. And like, I th also think as well, it's really interesting because not only you look at the, um, the age, um, and you compare it to the professionalism and the level of investment and commitment that these kids are making, like Zach is a great example, all of the AOJ believe in a chief squad, you know, that relocated to Southern California to, to train with the Mendez brothers and stuff. And then, you know, Talison traveling the world, obviously spending a lot of money and investing himself in his career at this stage. That I'm not so sure that Purple Belts were even doing that five years ago, yeah, right? Yeah. How many Purple Belts will really have the resources and the means? Was the sport even at the level where they were able to do that? And, and Absolutely even, not. No. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And even you look at, like, we're talking about European, the growth of Jiu-Jitsu in, in Europe and everything. Like, some of those countries really didn't have Jiu-Jitsu 10 years ago. Yeah. What do you think about that? Very like, good point. Like, a lot of those Scandinavian countries, like, Jiu-Jitsu was brought literally 10 years ago that, right. that's a crit that's a stat that that still blows my mind every time i think about it that that jiu-jitsu still in a lot of these european countries is so new you know and it's grown so quickly yeah but i think it's really cool to see that not only we are literally seeing in real time we're seeing the development and the evolution of jiu-jitsu right technically on the map we're seeing guys do stuff that you know we, we never saw before and then things which were considered esoteric and exotic and now just bread and butter techniques but then we're seeing things go so full circle as well because a real a trend that i've noticed recently and i'm, I'm really like by the way is pressure passing mm -hmm. but we're not talking like heavyweights doing it we're actually seeing like rooster weight and like featherweights with this soul destroying heavy top game pressure passing and it's just mind-blowing to me that this is now the in thing that everybody's doing, right? So that's well, it's a great counter to Baron Bola, right? Can't go under if you're washing them out. So it makes, it, it makes knees, a lot of sense. Low, yeah. It's almost like everything comes full circle, you know? Like a couple of years ago, like everyone was playing closed guard for a while, you know? Um, because it shut down the Baron Bolo. So it's like jujitsu is just this living, breathing thing that just keeps kind of reinventing itself. And from there, we get innovation. Yeah, it's super exciting, man. Super exciting to watch. Well, I think that's it, boys. Tomorrow, PANS begins. It is blue belts and purple belts all day long. Friday, as we see the Masters divisions go off. And then the women, blue and purple. And then Saturday, Saturday black belts begin. And brown belts. And, and brown let's, belts. let's not forget the brown belts, because yep. you always got to keep an eye on the brown belts, right? The brown belts are today, the black belts are tomorrow. And Absolutely. that means that, uh, you know, unfortunately, I think it's good, actually, because Saturday, the way the schedule falls, we're only going to see the opening round matches. Chase, explain it. What is it, the divisions? So is? any division that has 17 or more uh, athletes in the black belts will have their opening round until the quarterfinals. Um, no, just, I'm sorry, just, just the, the opening, opening round. 
uh, to narrow that down a little bit for Sunday. Brown belts go all day long. They finish their divisions on and then Saturday. And we have the black belt absolute up on until Sunday the as well. semifinal is concluded. So awesome! So that means that uh, you can watch the. You don't have to flick between the brown and black belts on Saturday. You can follow all those brown belt divisions, and then Sunday all day is going to be the black belt divisions. But of course, if you miss any of it, we're going to be recapping it. We're going to be talking about it all week on flowgrappling.com so you can get all the news everything you need on flowgrappling.com one last thing before we go fun. one last thing I gave my pick for absolute gold I did Keenan Cornelius you gave yours Leandro Lowe you guys gotta put it out right now hands up hands up who you gonna who you got absolute gold 2018 pants head says Leandro heart says Tommy Langacker <laughs> <laughs> we I go. like it Will we I gotta go. go with my boy Lucas Hulk Oh. He's absolute at, uh, at Europeans. He won absolute at Nogi Worlds in 2017. He's unbeatable right now. So, Lucas Hulk. So, Keenan Cornelius, Lucas Hulk, Tommy Longacker, and Leandro Lowe. We'll see. We'll see who wins. Fun names up there. <laughs> we'll see. See you guys there. <laughs>